I was born in Texas. My mom was a stay-at-home mom for a while, but she also, like, she sewed at home, so she worked from home. She used the big industrial sewing machines to, like, sew wedding dresses and um, furniture upholstery and stuff like that. My dad, I think at the time he was a um, manager for, like, a an auto body shop. My mom is from Laos. And my dad is American. My mom came here as a refugee and was in foster care. My earliest memory was of me being in a car seat and staring up at my brothers and their friend jumping up and down on the bed and just thinking, um, that's my blanket. <laughs> because I used to have this thing where I would um, rub the blanket material between my fingers and it just kind of had this like friction that I really liked. And that was the blanket I really liked doing it on. They were jumping up and down on it and I think I felt briefly hurt by that. I had a, an attachment to that blanket, you could say. I just really wanted that blanket and I I felt really bad that they were jumping on it cuz I I wanted to hold it or something, you know? I don't I don't really know how to describe it. I want to say I was about to probably. And I only know that cuz at the time uh my parents were separated briefly. So it was around the time that we were staying with her friend in their apartment. I remember being in kindergarten. I already knew how to read some in kindergarten. I don't really know where I picked that up at. You know, I just knew that I could recognize, like, certain letters. And I would read in the morning before class started. My teacher said, you know, hey, we should, uh, you know, put her in GT, which is, like, gifted and talented. They call it TAG in some other places. The gifted and talented program is not so much indicative that you are like more intelligent than peers your age, but rather more willing and like more interested in learning. What they'll do is if they, you know, if they see that uh, a, a child has greater interest in learning the curriculum, They'll put them in a class where they can focus better and then they'll give them opportunities to practice and learn a little bit uh, hard, harder things or things that are a little bit above their level. And so that does eventually end up with you being a little bit more elevated than your peers, but um, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean you're like a genius or anything. I do that I was different. Because of things that I cared about uh, and the things that came naturally to me, the things that seemed like common sense were different. And because, you know, uh, people treat you differently. You don't notice it when you're a kid. But as an adult, I see other kids that you can just tell instantly. They're just like, they're just more present or they're more aware than like some of the other kids around their age. And you kind of treat them differently based on that. You like treat them more like an adult. You give them a little bit more freedom. You ask them more interesting questions. They give more interesting answers. 
And that's how people treated me. I felt like there was something different about me, and I did want that acknowledged. You ever see those kids that are just very messy? <laughs> you think to yourself, like, man, was I that messy as a kid? Or, like, how do they not feel that all over their face? Or, like, why do they not take issue with the fact that their hands are covered in sticky stuff? That was not me as a kid. I was never that kid. After school daycare or whatever, when they would give us popsicles and stuff like that that were messy, I would hold my popsicle to the side because gravity, right? Like it it doesn't run down the stick and it doesn't run down your hands. And that just made sense. Like nobody taught me that, right? It was just common sense to me. When did you ever see an adult with stuff all over their face? You know, like never. But I would see kids who would hold their popsicle sticks like this, full fist, just dripping. And it would bother me when we're the same age, right? So I would be like, you know, why don't you just hold it to the side? And they were like, why? Because they didn't care. (laughs) I don't think anyone ever really instilled in me the importance of college or anything like that. Like, my parents were a little bit unorthodox um, with regard to both Asian parents and just parents in general in the U.S. about discipline and also like what they, you know, how they wanted to steer or guide you into a successful adulthood. My parents were very much more like into supporting the things that I already liked. My dad put me in tap dance, jazz, ballet, soccer. They got me a flute so I could learn to play the flute. Whatever I wanted to do, they would um, try to help me and encourage me in that thing. If I wanted to be a painter, if I wanted to write, um, they would do that. But they never really spoke of the future all that much. So to me, I didn't think of getting my high school credits in middle school or my college credits in high school as a fast track to anything in particular. I'm like, to what, (laughs) you know? Um, The future didn't really exist for me. There was a lot of um, chaos at home. I was one of those students throughout elementary, middle school, um, high school, that the teacher kind of always had to pull aside and be like, are things okay at home? You know, like, sometimes it was like my clothes. Sometimes it was my lack of sleep. Sometimes it was just me acting out. Um, And... You know, sometimes it was just the, just my attitude, as you could tell. My parents didn't just, like, divorce. My parents had, like, whole WWE smackdowns, like, in our house. Like, we were on, like, uh, we might as well have just had a red flag on our house where the police could come and find us every week. Because we were constantly getting calls um, for domestic, you know, stuff. It wasn't your average, like, domestic violence, right? It was like, um, you know, my dad's drunk and my mom stabbed my dad. Or, like, my dad's drunk and he pushed my mom out of the house because she's crazy. Or, like, my brothers are in trouble so my mom's beating their ass and my dad is, like, trying to get her to stop and no one knows why she's yelling. So they call, right? Like, a stranger would call. A neighbor it was just, it was just always something. It was just always something crazy. And I realize now that 
I'm an adult, like the stress that my mom was under is like, yeah, I absolutely understand why she would flip. But no one knows how that is going to affect a child. And it's, it's hard to keep that separate. Especially if you don't plan on, like, you know, having a child while you're going through all these things. It just kind of happens that way. Um, so I don't blame them. But it it did affect me a lot, I think. In, in many ways. When people would, like, find out the kinds of things I was dealing with at home they would always be like, you're so strong. <laughs> and the thing is that you don't feel strong. You're just doing what you have to. Like, you're just surviving. And it doesn't feel like you're being made stronger either. You're not very conscious of what's happening other than like, well, this happened and now I have to figure out how I'm going to get to school or like what I'm going to eat or, you know, how do I lift a 250-pound man up by myself? Like, I don't know. And then there are things that, like, people think that are affecting you more than they actually are because they think that you understand. I didn't understand that my dad was drinking until I was, like, 11. But he had been drinking my whole life, you know? And so they're like, oh, you're so strong for blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, adults know what that is. Adults know to feel bad about this. Children don't know that. They're not strong because they they're not reacting to something only adults understand. They just don't know. Like that just is their life. There are a lot of kids who are raised and you know, some things seem normal to them. They think every child gets their ass beat. You know, like <laughs> um and it, it's because they don't know anything else. My dad was in AA when he wasn't um, off the wagon. You can't you can't pause parenthood and you know and wait until you're ready. So he just used a lot of what he learned in AA to kind of raise me. He was struggling to find his self and his spirituality, and struggling to find um, kind of who the man he wanted to be as well. And at the same time, raising a daughter in these very formative, like, developmental years. My dad was always um, very solution-oriented. So, you know, if I had a meltdown because I didn't know where to start cleaning my room, my dad didn't punish me for having a meltdown. He would just say, you know, like, just relax and, you know, Take it one step at a time. You don't climb the whole mountain in one step, right? So you grab one thing at a time and you put it where it goes. Um, and before you know it, you're halfway through. And before you know it, you're done. Um, or, you know, if something was hopeless and I just thought it was just gone forever. Um, like, for instance, if you accidentally delete something on your computer. Or, you know, um, you lose something. You don't think you're going to find it because you lost it in this great big pool. Or, like, whatever it is. His immediate um response to uh anything that would be relative to a meltdown would be like okay well let's just stop and we'll, let's think about it is there something we can do about it if we don't know then we have to look if we know that there's nothing we can do about it then why are we crying and if there is something we can do about it why are we crying because we could be doing that 
thing, you know. And so as I got older, things like um, fender benders. It's like some people just freak out. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like I had a friend um, rear-end someone in my car in a BMW that I had years back. And um, he thought I was going to be way more mad than I was. And I was just like, oh, well, let me look at it. <laughs> like, is it too bad? I wonder how much that's going to be. If if it's too much, if it's more than I have, then like, you know, do I have resources? You know, it's, it's just like finding those solutions. He filtered through, through AA, all the advice that people would give him, all of the tips and tricks and yada, yada that he needed. Um, he filtered through what worked for him and what made sense to him. And because I am my father's daughter, like those things made sense to me. I grew up mostly with, with two older brothers. And uh, I kind of just always wanted to be like them or better than them. So I tried really hard in sports. Like my brother played soccer. I wanted to play soccer. You know, my brother wanted to skateboard. I wanted to skateboard. Um, and then, then I had my own things, which is like tap dance, jazz, ballet. And like I wouldn't say that I was physically more athletic, you know, I just followed instructions like to the T. I think I absorbed instruction a lot better than other other students because I always wanted the teacher to be like, wow, you're the best. <laughs> you're the best one here. And obviously they don't do that. But that was that was my driving factor in just like showing that like I can retain instruction. I can memorize these dance moves. I, I know how to like dive for the ball. I know what the rules are. Where I struggled the most was doing homework at home. I would cheat on, on my homework a lot. Um, not during class. Just I would just get there really early and be like, oh, my God, did you do the homework? I didn't. <laughs> Can I just write yours down? Or sometimes I would get to school early and actually just do my homework. But I would do it so half-assed but still pass. Like I would just enough to pass, to fill out 50% of it, <laughs> you know. I already understood the material, so I didn't understand why we were going over it again and again and again. You find that a lot, actually, uh, in students that are ADHD. I mean, you just, you get bored. You kind of just find ways to entertain yourself or bother those around you. So I was always getting in trouble for talking too much, for bothering my neighbor while they're still doing their work, because I always finished my work first. Like, I never did my homework, but that's just because once you take it home, you're like, I'm not doing that. I never understood that, you know, we spent eight hours a day at school doing this work, and now you want me to go home and do it? You already don't help us while we're doing it in class. I never really understood it, and I was very defiant about things I didn't understand or things I didn't agree with. Like, I can't focus on my homework right now. I can't focus on my schoolwork because all I can think about is how weird it is that we're in this little box when there's a whole world outside. And all of the things outside of this room are so much more important than whatever is on this stupid paper. And on, on top of that, uh, there are things we don't know outside of this room. But we choose to live our life and build our society on what we put in this little paper, what we, what we get out of these little boxes. Our society is 
built on these limited ideas. Whereas we could have had, we could have had any kind of society. We could have all lived in roundhouses, you know, instead of square houses. We could have all decided we were all going to be nomads. We could have built our houses on trains. Like we, you know what I mean? Like we could have lived any kind of way. It wasn't thinking about each of those things specifically, more so than it was just understanding that there are a million things that any number of things could have been. And instantly feeling like this surreal kind of, we chose this, like this is what we chose. And we're all just okay with it. It's not on anyone's mind that this is what we chose. And that was my kind of, I guess, realization or awareness of the world that we live in. So from that kind of point on, it was it was a struggle to to stay focused on what academics could provide for me in the future. Because from that moment, from that day, I was I was focused on how unfair it was that I didn't have a say in what we chose for our society. I did a lot of drugs in high school um, and in middle school, I too, I guess, um, because I was so angry all the time, not just for, not just because of that realization, but also because my my home life was super chaotic and I I just felt like there wasn't a lot of control over anything um, in my life and realizing that, you know, when you become an adult, that doesn't change. Like you don't actually have that all that much control over your life. You have control over your life, like your individual life. But with regard to like the society you live in, like you don't have that much say. Have you ever read The Dharma Bums? So Jack Kerouac wrote The Dharma Bums and I read that in say my sophomore or junior year of high school. I actually found it on a park bench. Someone left it on a park bench. And I read it. And I really enjoyed it. Um, And honestly, that was my idea of the future. If you read the book, you'll understand why that's so funny. Because there really isn't a future in there. Basically, it's a story that follows a guy who decides he was going to become a train hopper. And he meets another guy named Jaffe who kind of shows him the ropes around basically being a homeless person. Um, I mean, they have different names for them, but essentially that's the idea, right? That they're living off the hospitality of other people. They're having fun and partying. They're finding their spirituality in different ways. They're meeting lots of right, like random crazy people. They're... Um, traveling via train they're walking they're hitchhiking they're just living i guess whatever the universe puts in front of them they glorified the transient lifestyle a little bit and it also made it seem a little bit more um academic than others would see it which was fine to me because i didn't really need others to see it academically in a less intimate setting. But when it came to like being able to speak to someone one-on-one, I did want 
there to be kind of an understanding that I'm not incapable. You know what I mean? That it was like a choice. I also just found something super grounding in that idea of living your life that way. Because I was never one of those people who really was into um, material stuff. Like I could have easily been, you know, um, more coached into doing ballet from when I was a young kid and following that all the way into adulthood. I could have easily followed soccer all the way into adulthood, maybe even into pro leagues. Like I, I wasn't bad at any of them. I was exceptionally talented in a lot of the things that like I tried out as a young age. Same with like the flute. I was first chair, like, right. I could have easily followed that into adulthood. But I just really didn't have the the dedication. And I didn't have um, an adult telling me that, you know, hey, you could do something really amazing with this if you just stay dedicated. Like, you know, you could go to like MIT or you could go to Juilliard or you could go to whatever. I didn't have anyone telling me that these places existed or that they needed, that the prerequisite for even going to these places was dedicating yourself now. So that, that really didn't always connect um, with me. Ultimately, I ended up dropping out of high school and at like 16. They told me that I had to wait until I was 17 so I waited until my 17th birthday, and then I went to go take my GED. And I scored in, like, the 99 percentile for everything there. And uh, I'm like, it's not really saying much. The The GED is, like, like, they don't really put anything in there above a sophomore level. When I was 18 or 19, I decided I was going to go to California because I wanted to go on a road trip. Drove to Arizona, then to New Mexico, then to Colorado, then went from Colorado to Utah to California. Um, then when I got to California, I met a guy. That that whole trip was about six months, um, and that was my that was my Dharma bums get out of town. I'm gonna go follow my book dreams. Um, kind of like montage, right? But it didn't really work out that way. While I was in California, staying with um, that guy, um, I decided to embark into the sex industry. So I became a stripper and, you know, did, you know, whatever. And all the stuff that goes along with that. I ended up kind of with this offer of like, well, you want to whatever, make money, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, mm, no. I don't think so. I don't know. I just don't know how I could live with myself. Just all the things you tell yourself, you know, right? And then there was like this other part of me that was like, well, I mean, you have to make money. And <laughs> there's another part of me that was like, well, I mean, you're you're free and your body is a, you know, your your body is a natural thing. It's not weird. It's nothing to be ashamed about, yada, yada, yada. And then it was also this other part of me that's like, why? Who cares? Like, who who cares? Uh, I think if anyone cares that much about um, 
how many people have seen my body or like touched my body. And they're just too weird about bodies for me anyway, you know? So I was just like, fine, let's just see. Let's just try it out. And it was a little bit in my own way, um, artistic. Um, especially when I started getting more into pole work, I found that very athletic and very artistic. And although not everyone who is there to like throw money is there to like appreciate the artistry. I think I took to pole dancing um, pretty much like I took to any other sport as a kid, very technical. Like you come at it from a technical angle and that's all it is. You get the most leverage here. You get the most, you know, out of the most flexibility at this angle. You do, um, it looks the best from this angle and, you know, whatever. It's just very technical. It becomes one of those things where you are thinking about how to make money outside of work because the way that you make money inside of work is exactly the same. You you can go to a casino and run the same game on whoever is sitting next to you that you would another man in the club because men are men. And you could easily run the same game, the same racket, wherever you are, whether you have your clothes on or not. So you're constantly in that mode. Like, you see a guy, he's got a nice watch on. You're at a club, you're at a party, you're at wherever, whatever. And you think, I could spare, like, three hours. You know what I mean? To, like, if I could if I could get this guy to pay me, like, a thousand bucks, then why not? He seems fun anyway. I would probably hang out with him anyway. But I could also probably get him to pay me, too. And you just do that. I mean, essentially, that is the way that you you start seeing the world, and it affects your it affects your relationships with people because you can kind of miss some opportunities to network with people because they can tell that you're like money hungry. They can tell that you're getting a little bit overzealous, or they can tell that you're not listening to what they're saying because you're thinking about how best to bring up money. Because at some point. You stop caring about whether or not a man is like a, a nice person because you don't care because they don't care. None, none of the people in the strip clubs ever care if you're a nice person. You know what I mean? They don't. It, it just gets warped. I took a break because I was tired of listening to loud music and I was tired of dealing with people who like piss me off. Like, because... Imagine being a waitress and actually having to deal with your dickhead customers, um, but they, <laughs> but they were worse. Like, and you deal with your dickhead customers um, from a standpoint where, <laughs> like, you think you're better than them, and they think you're better. They're they're better than you, and you sometimes have the bouncer on your side, and sometimes you don't. It just I don't know. And especially because you're like <laughs> trying to get these people to pay you. It's kind of a different thing. You can't typically force them to pay you like you would if you were at a restaurant. I wasn't um, making as much money because it was a slow like season. 
it was like a slow time and I just moved back from Miami. So I was used to making like a bunch of money. And then I came back to Texas and we were just making not as great money. And that, that like week turned into a month and that month turned into three months. And then after three months, I was like, I think I'm depressed. I was like, I should do something else. And then I was like, but like what? I'm, there is no way I'm going to get a different job. Like (laughs) I make way too much money. So I was like, I guess I'll start going to school and I'll just dance on the weekends. And so I started school and I just never danced on the weekends because I was always so tired. And I was like, always had so much homework due. And I was just like, like, it's just too much. (laughs) So, um, that's kind of how I stopped dancing. Really. I just, I started school. I just didn't have time for it anymore. I came out here to be closer to my boyfriend who is in prison. (laughs) He's in prison and um, he should be getting out within the next year or two. Um, So that was kind of the thing. We've known each other, though, for a while, since we were 12, 12 and 13. I went and I saw a seminar um, where a woman was talking about, like, the science of um, cannabis and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, she's so awesome. I was like, man, I am kind of good at science. I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Although I am really good at English and writing um, and I feel like I could excel in that that way and it would be easy. I also felt I kind of owed it to myself to challenge myself to reach like a my highest capacity. And I also kind of felt it was a civic duty almost to um, reach that capacity because not that I think I'm going to win a Nobel Prize or anything, but um, I could just do more for the earth if I had this knowledge instead. It would be easy for me to get a degree in some arts or liberal arts kind of like avenue and be a journalist. And maybe I could write think pieces that people would give a shit about. But ultimately, I think I could do more if I was like a researcher or like a discoverer or an inventor or an engineer or like, you know, whatever. Somewhere in STEM, I just felt like I could do better. 